Hi everybody, Shireen here. Welcome to the Magic Hour. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Magic Hour drops every Sunday for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at mylittlemagicshop.com, our official sponsor. Feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed, Spotify, or iTunes. You can also follow me on Instagram at mylittlemagicshop and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Our guest today is shaman, author, and teacher, Jonathan Hammond. Welcome, Jonathan. I'm so excited to have you as a guest. Aloha, Shireen. It's really great to be here. Thank you. So let's start from the beginning. You were in the entertainment industry, acting on Broadway and for TV. Can you tell me a little bit about your life before your grand awakening? Uh, well, yeah, I, 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 you know, I always, I was very imaginative kid and, um, uh, and my parents sort of recognized that and I was imitating, always imitating people from television. And so I think that they thought actor, but really when you think about actor, what, you know, the actor learns the line, learns the blocking and hopes for inspiration to come through. And it was that yearning for the inspiration to come through that feels very, very, very similar to the work that I'm doing now. There's actually not that much difference. It was just that with acting, I, I was never like a, a like a fame driven actor. Like that was never my thing. It was more about like telling important stories and and or something that would develop me or something like that. And I just found that I I wasn't able to have as many experiences as I want as I wanted, and I wasn't able to spend myself. I didn't feel like as I wanted to be. So I just made a, a big shift. And you know, just to encourage everyone out there, if you are called to make a counterintuitive shift that your family or your friends don't uh, don't understand, but feel like it's more that's going to connect you to the collective it's going to connect you to service in some way like make that shift so many people are feeling that and and uh you know i really had that uh that sort of awakening to just move in a different direction and yeah that's what i did yeah i love that thank you so much for sharing because i mean that definitely leads me into my next question but i just want to reiterate like i feel like especially given this crazy year i feel like a lot of people are starting to you know really look within and starting to see that there are shifts that, you know, they might need to make to actually, you know, cope with all of the craziness of this year. So I had read that, you know, you were standing on a mountain mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, that led to this grand inspiration. Can you kind of walk me through, you know, where, what you were going through in life and like what that felt like? Yeah, so I, I mean, I was I was very much in the throes of acting, and I, I was relatively successful. And uh, I, you know, I had always had a spiritual life, a, a pretty rich spiritual life, even with the acting, which which at the time I thought was just helping me traverse the difficulties of showbiz. But it kept taking up more and more and more space. And um, and then I was on the volcano in Maui, in um, which is a it's not an active volcano, but it's a, it's this absolutely mystical place up ten thousand feet. And um, I just was walking on on a trail and I sat down on a big lava rock and had this kind of visitation. That's the only way I can describe it with with uh, with uh, with spirit, with God, with whatever you want to call it. There was my consciousness altered and there was a sense of presence all around me. And I, I knew that I was in some way being made over, but I didn't even know what that meant. And by the way, I think that that being in nature and knowing that nature communicates when it was over, there was just I just got really really clear as I, as I walked back up the volcano crater I just went 
I'm, I'm supposed to change my life. I'm, I'm, you know, it's time to, it's time to um, and make a shift. And I didn't even know that those words were going to come out of my mouth, but they, but they did. And it was literally the beginning of a two year process of school and further education and spiritual practice and, and all of that. It was really only about two years that I, uh, uh, that I opened up healing practice and, and uh, became a teacher and all that. And I just got very called. And uh, so it happened in Maui. So, Maui uh, so Hawaii has always held this place for me, this, this deep specialness. And what I was to later find out, years later find out, was that there was a spiritual philosophy there, which is what my what my book is about. That um, that I hadn't even discovered at the time. I just thought I just loved Hawaii, was having this mystical experience, but I didn't really know then that Hawaiian spirituality and Hawaiian shamanism was going to be something that that was directional in terms of in, in terms of my life and in terms of my practice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that, and we're going to definitely talk about that a little bit more. I just want to back up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So during this two year time period, I believe this is when you became an interface minister right no i had done that i had done that a good 15 years prior like i oh, said wow. i mean i oh yeah i had always really had a um a spiritual life and you know and i was always always quitting acting i was always you know i was never quitting acting i was always attempting or, or i was always talking about quitting acting but i never did but i did do a, a two-year seminary program that had to be now close to 20 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, so that that was always there. I did another program in, in spiritual counseling. That was a, okay. a two-year program in spiritual counseling. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you just kind of built upon all of this stuff that you had been doing more in like hobby form or like interest form and then started to really expand upon right. it. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, just going back to this uh, conversation about Huna shamanism, I wanted to understand a little bit more between the difference between Huna shamanism and like, other types of shamanisms because I think that often people when they're first learning about shamanism they're just you know like they lump it all into one situation so could you tell us a little bit more well let me say this I, I, I don't think there's that much difference in the different traditions Hawaiian is the one that that speaks to me because I tend to need to understand things and uh, and the the Huna philosophy presents a philosophy a way to think about shamanism a way to think about the work. And it's the uh, and it's my uh, my observation in working with shamans in uh, three different continents that they all adhere to surprisingly similar practices, worldviews, the way in which they work with energy, the way in which they work with their mind. They may speak about it differently. They may have different practices, but in general, there is there. You know, we talk about universal shamanism, and that that is where we uh, encapsulate shamanism across the globe into certain ideas and certain ways of working and it tends to be very similar and what what fascinated me about the uh, about the huna material was that it provided me a language and a way uh, and a way of understanding oh this is how shamans think that's why i call my book the shaman's mind because it's about how how the shaman thinks about the work thinks about like thinks about themselves in relationship to life and that came that came out of that philosophy, but but it's it's very similar. I I I, uh, I say in the book that uh, Hawaiian shamanism is just shamanism with better beaches, and it's sort of like that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love a good beach. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's awesome. And you'd mentioned, you know, you had um, apprenticed in three different continents, so in Brazil, Mexico, Bali, Hawaii. So do you like? Why do you think you felt so called to learn so many traditions, and then? You already, well, you already answered that Huna is like one of the one that really resonates, but Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about these different experiences? 
Yeah, I mean, I uh, the first one was everyone thought it was crazy, and this was before it was it was like a cachet thing where everyone goes down to you know the South America to do ayahuasca. I you know it was it, at the time when I wanted to go down and do that. That was a very people weren't doing that, you know, and but I I just was very called for some reason to experience that, and um, and so I I spent time in Brazil. That was really my first um experience um uh working with with indigenous shamans. I was there for you know, like five weeks, and a couple of things happened. I mean, uh, uh, first of all, I did I did a lot of ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. The other weird, you know, I was in a small group, although I didn't know anyone. I, I traveled there alone. It was terrifying. It was really scary. You know, spiders and big spiders and bugs and fires. And But the other weird thing that was happening, because at the time I was an actor and I, I, I you know, I'm maybe a Reiki practitioner and, you know, but um, the shaman kept treating me like uh, a colleague. You know, even though we didn't speak, he only spoke Portuguese. I don't speak Portuguese, but there was a sense of if one, if someone in the group was having a problem, he'd point at me and sort of go like that, like you go deal with, you know, and um, uh, and so that that was very um, that was very helpful. He was he was helping me see something about myself that I. Uh, hadn't uh, hadn't seen him myself. And then and then I uh, I spent time in in Bali. I spent time in Mexico, Central America. I was bringing groups to these places and seeking out the uh, some of the indigenous healers there. And and you know it was it it was in those experiences that I just saw how similar uh, uh, they all, even the Far East. Uh, you know they they all think. You know and there was there was a recognition in myself of like I I. I I, I, these people are of my ilk. I understand this. I understand, you know, and I didn't really know why. I mean, I'm, I'm as modern, contemporary and Western as they come, but there is something, there's something there that, um, uh, that I resonated with. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And just cause you mentioned ayahuasca, can you tell our listeners that, you know, are curious about it, don't know much about it. Can you tell a little bit more about what it is and you know, maybe like share a little bit of your experience. It's a plant medicine that's made from uh, a whole bunch of different different ingredients from different plants, different trees. And even the idea that these particular uh, elements of this plant and that plant would go together indicates something about the, the shamans who are journeying with these tree beings and plant beings enough to even know how to put it together and, and all of that so that it would actually have a ha, have an effect. You know, ayahuasca for me, uh, it's an opener. If you haven't really been doing a lot of consciousness work or working on yourself, like it can really, you know, it can really kick you in the butt. And I think the experience of going down there for me was as as important as the as the actual ayahuasca ceremonies. Mm-hmm. I actually think that that um, there's there's a misconception around you do some ayahuasca and your life gets fixed, you mm-hmm. know. And ayahuasca is about opening something up, and then it's a, it's really about showing up with consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about living the spiritual life, you're talking about being creatively engaged mm-hmm. with your life, with what's happening. Yeah. And uh, and that's not just something that you you do on a ten day trek, you know, doing ayahuasca. That's something that is that is a long term thing, you know. So I'll, I actually I, I find ayahuasca helpful in two ways, as well as some of the other plant medicine. If it's if you are needing an opening, you know, to really open to spirit, it can be that. But it can also be something that integrates. Mm-hmm. after you've done some work on yourself so a lot, a lot of uh, people have been working working with me in uh, let's say spiritual counseling for a year and a half they'll go and they'll they'll do um a, you know they'll have a mushroom a clinical mushroom experience and it will integrate and i can see them they come back and everything we've been working on for a year and a half it's like 
oh, oh, I get it now. And then we're on to the next thing, you know? So that's how it can, it, it can be helpful. It, 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 if you're doing the work, the plants can help support that in some way or integrate it or open you to the fact that you need to do some work. That yeah, too, you I know? love that. I love that. I think that's such a great point because often I do think that people think about plant medicine. They're like, oh, I'll just be healed and I'm just going to purge a bunch of stuff and that's it. And I think that it is really important that it's kind of like either another level into your healing or it's the opening, the beginning of the journey. So I think that that's definitely really important to point out. I also wanted to ask you because I, when we had met many, many years ago, it was actually one of the first experiences where I intellectually was able to connect energy with like an experiential understanding of energy. And the reason is because you like put a stone on my throat and then my throat started like pulsing and vibrating. And then it felt like a huge explosion happened. I'm hysterically crying. I'm like, what did you do to me? (laughs) (laughs) Complete freak out. What did you do? I don't understand. I thought I was making it up in my head. And so um, I always love to tell people that story because I'm a very much a person who's up here. You know, Mm -hmm. like I like to understand things I want to understand the science behind it like it needs to intellectually make sense to me and I think that actually feeling it that made me realize like this stuff is real so I wanted to ask you a little bit more about how does energy healing work for you do you feel it do you see it like what's your experience of it well it's a little bit of all of that and and it it sort of depends on the person because sometimes when I'm doing healing work with with people a lot of times I need to be what they need me to be. Mm-hmm. So if they need me to see it, I'll see it. I won't really know why. If they need me to feel it, I'll feel it, you know? So it, it just sort of dep- it just sort of depends. In general, I'm of the belief, the more that I do this, the more I come back to something very simple, that, th- that this is all very, very simple. You know, the Hawaiians talk about that all illness, all illness, physical illness, mental illness, emotional illness, spiritual illness, all illness is born of tension. Mm. Whether or not that tension is a, a, a emotional or energetic tension or actually physical fascia tension and that health, you know, or state of being healed is, uh, is facilitated through the release of that tension. So whether that attention be a, a thought form that produces tension that you reframe to produce relief or whether or not it's these micro constrictions that we all have in our bodies. We, we all, usually as children, we, we, we learn to just close on certain aspects of ourselves when we learn that they're not okay, they're not okay in our families, they're not okay in society, we'll be punished for them, we don't deserve to have them. These are all ways in which we just kind of uh, can constrict on ourselves. And, more than, and, and, and that is to go against nature. Because if you think of nature, and in shamanism we worship, nature right that we revere nature nature is is teaching us who we are and in nature nature doesn't constrict on itself it just keeps expressing it just is what it is you know it's in a constant uh, expression of growth and creation and we as being uh, beings of nature are also supposed to be in a constant expression of growth and creation so what needs healing then is that which doesn't allow it. And so a, a lot of times working with natural elements on the body, just touching the body, just in, in some way, you know, when I, when I place my hands on someone, what, I, what I'm actually doing is I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm touching that child that learned to constrict and I'm saying, you don't have to do, I'm in charge now, we're in charge now. 
you don't have to do this anymore. You can let this go, you know? And, and a lot of times that's really enough for, um, for a big discharge of energy, you know? And if you do that in conjunction with spirit and with the person spirit who wants them uh, to grow and create further, you know, it just sets things up in such a way that, that healing happens. Even if you think about, if you think about something like Reiki, is it the chicken or the egg? In other words, uh, you know, if, if I'm doing Reiki, I'm thinking there's a ball of energy above my head. It's going into the crown of my head. It's moving down here. It's moving down my arms into my into my hands. That's what that's what I'm thinking. So did I create the circumstances for Reiki to happen? You know, through my imagination by visualizing it like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the power of the mind that we can actually create realities, even the reality that says spirits are in this office right now. Our energy is moving through my hands. Yeah. You, you, this long-standing thing that you've been struggling with for 20 years, you can let go of right now. We're in that reality now. Wow. You know? Mind blown. I love that. I feel like people are going to rewind and replay that again because I never thought about constriction in that way and how much it really does affect your body because it's like, you know, like you constrict when you're nervous. Like there's just so many emotions that cause you to like clam up and like the universe doesn't want you to do that. It wants you to be open and allow energy to flow through you and to can you continue to co-create so wow constriction Woo! constriction is not mirrored in nature you know you don't you don't you don't see you don't see self you know sexually repressed tigers you don't see yeah. you know self-loathing giraffes you don't you know we do that but nature doesn't do that yeah. and you know and so to release that is, you know to release that is to come into our nature you know and and um and so that that's so much of what what's needed on the planet right now you know it's yeah. kind of like if if i had to say like one thing i do with with clients more than anything else is get in your body stay there let yourself feel what's there without editorializing yeah. and if you just do that you are wired to get on your path yeah Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about shamanic Reiki. So you you mentioned this a little bit, just yeah. for you know those that don't understand the difference. So there's you know a more traditional form of Sui Tibetan Reiki, and mm-hmm. then there's shamanic Reiki. So can you tell us a little bit of a difference between the two? It's my belief that it's all the same energy. You yeah. know, it, you know the, the the shamans are the shamans are working with Reiki. It's just that some some guy in Japan uh, coined that phrase and uh, you know had his own. Uh, if you talk about Usui, he had uh, he went on a vision quest to to search for the the healing that supposedly uh, the, the laying on of hands can can facilitate, and went into a cave had the vision and, you know, and channeled the system, you know, so, you know, so he's, he's just a Japanese shaman, you know, uh, he's just going on a vision quest. Um, and so like, and, and for your, your, uh, people who, who have either studied Reiki or had it done, you know, that like, in addition to the sensations, a lot of times there are images or there are stories and all of that. So, so Reiki facilitates a slightly altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. The shamanic journey is executed through just a slightly altered change in consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, so the uh, the distance between shamanism and Reiki is a very short one because they both adjust the brain to to uh, to a state where it can open to ecstatic experiences. So, in shamanic Reiki, all we're doing is we're just giving people a sense of when I'm teaching shamanic Reiki of the traditional Reiki. Um, uh, hand positions and way of thinking about it, and in 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 addition to that, 
allowing also shamanic practice to come in, which basically is just allowing yourself to journey or helping your client journey. And so it's the combination of those two that, that, that I teach in shamanic Reiki. Oh, I love that. And I've yeah. been to his class, his shamanic Reiki class. Fantastic. Highly recommend it. I want to talk a little bit about what it was like to go from learning and then practicing and now teaching and writing. At one point when I first started this work and I, and I, I wanted to hide the actor thing because it was like, it was like people won't understand that's too different and all that. And now I can honestly say, thank God, it was all preparing me for this work, you know, because it is because I'm able to, uh, you know, and even if you read my book, I'm teaching you things, but I'm spinning a narrative. You know, and that, you know, and that's the skill set that I have. You can hear me in the back of the room. I can land a joke. Like these are all things that are really helpful to be, you know, to being a teacher. I love teaching. I mean, that's just, um, uh, I, I have always been doing that. And even in, even as an actor, I was, you know, I had side jobs at teaching at NYU, teaching acting classes at NYU and, and um, a couple other places around the city. So that, that's uh, always been a thing. With the, with the Huna material, uh, you know, that my book is about, I had always had this notion that I was going to write a book someday. I had no idea what about, and I would say that and it would end there. I'm going to write a book someday, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and then I, um, through a series of events that I read about in the book, I, I was, the, the Omega Institute asked me, despite the fact that, to be honest, I wasn't really prepared, ready to do it, but uh, the Omega Institute asked me to teach a class on HUNA. And I spent a year and a half preparing for this, for this class and, and just dove so deeply into that work. And, and after I taught that class, I thought, if I just write down what I just taught, you know, well that that's a book, you know, that's a book. And that's a book that, that, um, that just isn't around, you know, because I was borrowing from the, I, I, you know, I mean, I do have a specific Hawaiian tradition. Um, Serge Kahili King is my teacher, but I pull from a whole bunch of different ones. And so I brought all these di um, different Hawaiian ideas and traditions kind of together, you know, into um, all of the foundation again is Serge Kahili King. And that just, but that, be, that, that was clear. That's what the book was about, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. In the book, you speak about the seven principles of Huna. Can you tell our listeners more about these principles? Yeah. So these are these are seven ideas, and if you uh, allow yourself to integrate them into your way of thinking, in in your way of relating, in the actions that you take, they actually allow you entry into that universal shaman, sh shamanic mind that I was talking about. That I that I observed that all the shamans seem to, to seem to be aware of. Mm -hmm. So the the principles, uh, very basically, the first principle says the world is what you think it is. Mm -hmm. So that means that not just your experience of the world will be based on how you think about it, but that the world itself, that reality itself, creates itself based on how you think about it. Mm. So that means that we are co-creating reality. So if you think of reality as sort of a blank canvas mm -hmm. onto which we project our internal experience, our thoughts, our beliefs, and that blank canvas shifts and changes and creates itself based on what we think about it. Mm -hmm. And what's going on on the planet right now is that everyone has been projecting onto reality what? Racism, fear, uh, uh, separation uh, wow. from each other, profits over people, dominion over nature, hatred, all that. And reality has, because reality creates itself based on what's projected on it, on what we think, reality has literally become sick. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and so and so, what this principle is really getting at is that the the creation of the world, the creation of reality, uh, as your experience of reality and reality itself, is based on how you think about it. 
you know? And so this is, so it's really about really fine tuning. What am I thinking? Because whatever I'm thinking is in the process of, of creating that, you know? It's a really big idea. And you can see it puts all the power right, right inside of you, you know? So that's the first principle. Second principle, there are no limits. There are no limits. Mm -hmm. And what that's really getting at is that there's only one organism. There's only one thing happening. And each of us is an individual aperture through which that one thing experiences itself. Mm-hmm. So you can think of each of us as waves on the ocean, but we can't separate ourselves from the ocean. Mm-hmm. That's actually more the nature of reality. Yeah, go ahead. Or I think or cells in the body. Like that's right. That's heart right. cell, liver cell. So I love that's, yeah. I, that's right. Yeah, we, we get and so and what that means is that is that everything's available to us. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that we yearn for or, or want is literally just is right next to because it's already a part of us, mm-hmm. you know, and also how we take care of ourselves is affecting how we take care of each other, mm-hmm. you know, and how we hurt ourselves is how we hurt others, you know, so um, so it's really about no separation. And if you think if you think about it just in terms of shamanism, when you when you just observe nature, it's all working together. It's this holistic system that's all working together. Everything is interdependent on everything else. Yeah. And that is actually the nature of reality, not just the nature of the forest. Yes. So that's that principle. The third principle says energy flows. Where, and by the way, these are all Hawaiian words that have been uh, that have these unique translations. The third principle says energy flows where attention goes. So where you place your focus and attention, elicit the creative energies of the universe that will physically manifest the nearest physical equivalent of what you're putting your focus and attention on. So that means that we are energy workers, but just by virtue of what we're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's what that on growth and love, and that'll be more that comes with you. Right. That, on hatred and lack, and that's right. Then. Hello. That, that's right. Well, and not only that, but it's also saying that 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 the universe symbiotically presents the energy that brings about more of that. The creative energy that makes things happen, you know, is elicited by that. But yeah, that, that's exactly it. Uh, the fourth principle says, "Now is the moment of power." And we all know this from mindfulness and from being in the present moment. But what this principle is, is, is actually really getting at is that now is about the only place we can access power because now is the only place where we can do anything. And, you know, and so, so a mystic would want to abide in the now. Mm-hmm. The shaman wants to do something with it. And so it. and so it is about that the only place where you access power is in the now. And if you love and bless, which we'll get to in the next principle, love and bless in the now, that is the formula for confidence. That is the formula for charisma. You love and bless in the now. The fifth principle, aloha, you know this from Hawaii, that just means, um, which means love. Uh, The translation is to love is to be happy with. So love creates happiness. And the easiest way to understand that and to integrate it in your mind is just, is love's perspective present here? With this action that I'm taking, with it, with this thought form I'm having, mm-hmm. with whatever I'm doing, is love's perspective present? Mm-hmm. And that's really what that principle is getting at. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is everything. Because if you think of, of the universe itself actually running on love, because why? Why else would the universe just keep creating itself yeah. other than a, a joyful celebratory uh, intention to, to, to make more of itself? Yeah. Well, that's called love. Yeah. You know, 
And so the very nature of our reality is, is, is fueled by love. So to be in flow is to make sure love's perspective is always there because that aligns you with the, with the flow. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's that principle. Next principle um, says all power comes from within. So if, if it's an infinitely powerful universe and we are each inseparable and a representation of that infinitely powerful universe, that powerful infinitude converges at the point I call me. Yeah. So, so I create my life from inside me. And this one's tough because uh, in this culture in particular, uh, maybe this time on the planet, everyone is so preoccupied with what everyone else thinks. Yeah. It, it, everyone is, you know, mired in that and, and, and creating their lives and making choices based on, not, uh, on how it looks and not how, not how it feels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this, this is saying, this principle is saying nothing has authority over you unless the authority in you decides to give that thing authority over you. Yeah, you have to decide to give your power away. That's right. Oh, and, and, to, and so that's what that principle is about, is that you create your life through you, you know. Yeah. And the, the last principle is um, effectiveness mm-hmm. is the measure of truth. Mm. effectiveness is the measure of truth so it's only true if it works and if it doesn't work it's not true and this can cut through a lot of spiritual spiritual gobbledygook and spiritual teachers and all that because it's just you don't it, you don't have to adopt anyone that says that they're smarter or more spiritually adept than you unless what they're teaching you works for you yes yeah you know mm. and what i also love about about that, that principle in particular is that here's this philosophy out of the heart of Polynesia, in the middle, from the middle of the South Pacific, and it's saying, "I don't even have the answer." Yeah, yeah. If this works, if this works for you, great. If not, try something else. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love that, especially because you know there's so many people you know that are teaching and sharing information, and like sometimes people are like very specific. They're like, "You have to, you know, like when you're staging or smudging, it has to be." clockwise and you know like it has to be done at this particular time and I always tell people like listen follow your intuition your intuition knows what's best and like whatever works for you just works for you go with it like don't be stuck on you know like it being specific or like too mechanical that's right right. all power comes from within so it's you know you you know if if you follow your own inner directives they'll 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 tell you what to do Uh, you know in my classes you'll probably remember this when I'm teaching energy healing my instruction when the students start working on it is to, is to have this mantra. I don't know why, but I don't know why, but I'm going to put my hands here. I don't know why, but I'm going to do this over here. I don't know why, but I'm getting, I'm getting a, 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 an image of a giraffe. I don't know what, you know, and because that, because it's just, you're just following what's happening from inside you. So there, there is no right way to do. And that's what that last principle uh, effectiveness uh, is the measure of truth is saying there is, there is no right way to do anything. It's only if it works. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that, but I don't know why. Like, it's fine to not know why. <laughs> it's totally okay. Because oh. you're, following a di- you're following a different, you know, w- when you don't know why, you're, you're out of here and you're in here. You're mm-hmm. out of your masculine. You're in your feminine. You're in your intuitive. You're feeling, yeah. you know? And that's why to enter into I don't know why, but I, I'm going to go this way or that way. That is, that's this, the shamanic realm, you know, where, where you're aligning with the feminine to such an extent that I don't even know why, why I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love, I totally love that. 
Okay, so what are some other tips you would give to all of my newbies exploring Huna shamanism or shamanic Reiki and learning how to become more in flow with the universe? I guess the biggest tip I, I would say is that this is a choice every time, but when there are things in your life, well, two things. When there are things in your life you don't like, According to this philosophy, it's saying that the world is what you think it is. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that you blame yourself for the thing that's happening in your life that you don't like, because sometimes we don't know what we think because what we think could be unconscious, mm-hmm. you know? And, this, and, it, and so even to adjust that principle, it's what the world, uh, uh, the world is what we both unconsciously and consciously think it is, mm-hmm. you know? But it does mean that you have a degree of complicity that your fingerprints are in some way on everything that happens to you. Mm-hmm. And that's not about blaming you or slapping your wrist. That's about use it as an opportunity. If this is happening, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Why is, what is it about me? What am I not seeing that it has attracted this into my life? Mm-hmm. And along the, same, along the same lines, with those things in your life that you don't like, see them as as uh, the, the, the beacons of light that they are to open you to a new consciousness. Shit, I ended up here. I got this. Why is this door closed? Why did this thing happen? What, what is this about? Because this is telling me I'm not in flow. This is telling me there's something I haven't looked at. And in, in that way, it's an opportunity. And I mean, illness, breaking up, anything like that, any, any, um, any difficulty in your life, if you can just begin to be curious about like, what, how is this bringing me to the light of a new awareness, mm-hmm. you know? And then the difficulty, just in answer, asking that question is transformed into power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the main thing is that, is that, you know, you know, I don't do victim. I don't do powerless. It's just not where I, you know, like, it's just I don't coddle that. I don't. I don't think it's good for us to uh, uh, to live there. It's about like like take. Who is about taking responsibility? What you know, even for even for the stuff that we don't like. You know, I, I'm taking. How did how? What's my part in this? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think that's definitely. I mean, that's where we need to be right now. It's time for us uh, collectively, you know, as an entire globe, to really start taking responsibility and you know, start to collectively make changes internally and externally. You know, even if you think like, you know, like as much as I know what side of the fence politically I'm on, but if, if we're all really on and, and all, pretty much all your listeners, if we're really honest with ourselves, we want to lock those people up too, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And we have to take responsibility because if, if we're creating our world, then that means that that side lives in us too. Yeah, they're definitely a reflection of all the things that we need to heal. Like our shadow, I feel like our shadow, you know, collectively is just being broadcast to the world right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I won't go into too much detail about it, but it's fascinating because like even the astrology, like the United States is oh, yeah. going to go through a Pluto return. So yeah. I feel like that is, you know, literally what's happening. And it's really time for us to take responsibility and start to own our power individually and collectively. That's right. And, and, you know, if you think about the nature of healing, the, the nature of healing is just that you're bringing that which is unconscious to the consciousness in order to look at it. If you just go with like the idea of race, what's, what's in the collective unconscious, what we were all born into, it permeates the media, it's in our textbooks, it's in everything, is, that, is this idea that white people are superior. That is, that is in there, programmed in there. Mm-hmm. And what's happening right now is that is that that uh, that programming unconscious on autopilot 
mm-hmm. is actually being excavated and being, and we're all being asked to, to actually look at it and take it from the unconscious to the conscious. And what always happens when, when, you, when that process is happening is resistance. Yeah. And so the people who are not wanting to look at that or who refuse to look at that, they're, they're going to be resistant to it. And that's part of it too. That's why if you aren't resistant to it, get more clear, Yeah. yeah. get more clear. So you can kind of be a beacon, a beacon of light uh, uh, for those who are still my, more mired in their stuff than you are. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's absolutely true. I mean, a transformation we are going through. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's needed though. So, Okay. Yeah. So now that you have a ton of experience, if you can go back to your younger, first learning all this healing work self, what advice would you give? What advice would I give? To do it for you mm-hmm. and get out get out of there that, that this is about um, anything having to do with uh, uh, how it appears to others. I'm really in a place, done a lot of work on, on myself, and I'm really in a place where like, the book's out. You like the book? Great. You don't like the book? Great. I wrote the book because I wrote the book, you know, and I'm not, to, you know, I don't need you to think I'm clever. You know, I don't need you, you know, and I don't need you to, I don't need any of that. I just, it's just, it's just coming. All power comes from within. And, and again, we're so mired in what everyone thinks. And I, I have just, um, uh, and I think everyone struggles with that so much. And um, uh, so that more than anything else is that, is that your life is for you. Yeah. Your life is for you, and it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. Yeah, I love that. I love, that's so valid right now. Okay, wow. This was just so magical, Jonathan. It really warmed my heart chatting with you. I love to see healers just sharing their magic. It's just super inspirational for me. So thank you so much for sharing your insights with me. So here at the Magic Hour, we always, at the end of an episode, ask three questions just to learn a little bit more about how you care for yourself and, you know, like incorporate practices for spiritual and emotional um, development. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask you really quickly. The mm-hmm. first one is, um, are there any consistent activities or rituals you do to maintain a sense of inner peace? Gratitude. I really try to do gratitude. Um, and and really, re- I'm, I'm really vigilant about, I don't, the negative narratives, they come up all the time. And I just, I stop them. I really stop them. They'll come up and I say, I see you there. And you're even maybe trying to help. You're giving, you know, you're trying to make me vigilant or whatever. But you're actually just freaking me out, you know. And, you know, and so like, like I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Like, you know. And so, so thank you for your input. That like maybe I won't get a publisher for my book. But you know what? I'm going to go with the idea that I'm going to get a publisher for my book. Mm. You know. So I really try to attend to to attend to that when it comes up, and I just present a positive alternative. That's as basic as that is. It's really helpful, and yeah. that's what that's the creative engagement I talked about earlier. Yeah, and I mean yeah. that's like it sounds simple, but it does take a con- like a conscious yep. effort that's continuous. So I love that's that. That's right. That's right. So describe a time you underwent a particularly stressful situation, and what measures you took to kind of move through that process. That, I, I think I think the easiest way for me to say it is that um, it, it's really without I, I won't even go into the situation. It's just really okay to say no. Mm-hmm. It's really okay to put up a boundary. Mm-hmm. It's really okay to 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 say that even though I'm a loving person, 
I, there's some, I need to get away from here. I'm, I'm, uh, I, and, and another way to say it is, is that if you, if you allow your feelings to be what they are, even the feelings that we don't like, you know, the feelings that say, I'm resentful of this person. I'm jealous of this person. I'm angry at each one of those things. They are presenting information for you. Mm-hmm. You know, resentment says, I, you're not quite where you're supposed to be right now. Anger says, get the hell out of there. Jealousy says, I want what that guy has. These are, these are things that are helpful. It doesn't mean that we act on them in a reactive way, but, but the, more, the more that we can just honor what's happening to us, particularly the dark stuff, dark stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the more true we are, you know, we don't, we don't shy away from the, from the dark stuff in, in shamanism because there's dark stuff in nature. There are great white sharks and tarantulas and all kinds of things, you know, yeah. uh, and in the, and in the same way that that's important. So, so being able to say no, allowing yourself to be an inconvenience to another because of what you're feeling. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. Cause you know, like sometimes stress, like kind of like shuts us down a bit. So yeah. being able to kind of sit in that sense of stress and like taking a moment to acknowledge what you're feeling and like holding space forward and then acting is really, I think that that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. And the last question is when it comes to self-development, what books or tools really offered life-changing discoveries for you? The Shaman's Mind, Who Know Wisdom to Change Your Life by Jonathan Evans. No, I'm kidding. Big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who do I love? Who do I love? I, uh, I love, um, uh, you know, in terms of shamanism, I love uh, uh, Sandra Ingerman. You know, I think, I think she's really great. I love, I uh, adore Carolyn Mace. She's an energy, he- um, energy healing, but lots of books. Um, I do think that like very early on, I thought it was Buddhism. I thought my path, path was Buddhism just because I was so not here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just either so in the future or so in the past or so just in my in my head. So, you know, if, if you're starting off, I do think just like any kind of a mindfulness practice, I love t- the way Tara Brock teaches Buddhism. I just think it's very practical and clear. Um, uh, she's great. But um, but those are all things that I would do. I love Sounds True. I think that's a wonderful uh, a company. I think they have a lot of really wonderful recorded wisdom. So th- those are those are sort of what comes to mind. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for that. Okay, so thank you so much, Jonathan. Again, this was just a magical chat. Can you please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, follow you, support you? Sure. Um, so you can reach me. You can reach me at uh, jonathanhammond.com. That's uh, and you, you'll find uh, the classes that I teach. I, I have private practice. Um, uh, that, that's where you could inquire about an appointment and see my calendar. There's also a bunch of podcasts and and media things on there. So um, uh, that's all that's all there. And the the Shaman's Mind is available on Amazon wherever and wherever books are where, wherever books are sold. Those are the easiest ways to uh, get in touch. Yay. Thank you so much. Okay. So thank you everyone for tuning into the magic hour. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to check out the show notes over at mylittlemagicshop.com for more information on today's guest, Jonathan Hammond. We hope to see you again next Sunday. And as always, sending you so much light, love, and magic. And remember, without a dream, you can't have a dream come true. So make sure you're out there making your own magic. Mahalo. Thank you.